Welcome to Election Stunt, the only podcast that sometimes thinks the presidency is the illusion of choice. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. Uh, why don't you tell us who made this episode up front and what you thought of it? Uh, well, it was directed by, oh man, I'm going to butcher probably both these names. Sweet. Uh, Agnieszka Holland. Sounds right. Yep. Who is a Polish <laughs> film and TV director as well as a screenwriter who's worked on awesome shows like The Wire, Treme, Killing, and uh, House of Cards. And written by Frank Pulisi, who we've talked about previously. He directed or wrote mm-hmm. another episode earlier in the season, but he's famous for uh, Borgia. I think he says Borgia. Yeah. Copper and uh, old school homicide life on the streets. I thought this was a really engrossing episode. An episode that was had me kind of like, you know, uh, Frank, what are you doing on several occasions? And wondering sure. whether the things... You know, as always, I'm questioning everything I'm seeing on the screen and and double guessing and and triple guessing what's happening because I'm not so sure the Frank <laughs> didn't get double played. Frank got double by Thomas or by Petrov. Everybody, okay, everybody. All right. I think there are cases to make for all of those. Yeah. What did you think? Uh, I I was the same. I I was really liking this podcast or this this episode <laughs> podcast is you know take it or leave it yeah episode's not it, it, bad it always is uh yeah I, I was top to bottom i i enjoyed it sure uh and, and, like to see frank uh, gi joe it up that was cool going yeah. strapping up going to war that was cool mm-hmm. uh a lot of a lot of good stuff in here i don't know where you want to start with it but well, let's talk about uh i feel like the whole jordan valley and uh frank okay. and claire thing is the dominant thread here. Absolutely, yeah. So the whole Jordan Valley deal is going to shit after it seemed to be so triumphant just a few episodes ago. Mm -hmm. The Russians are still pissed. The Israelis are concerned, and they're starting to lock down the area and move in troops and enforce the no-fly zone. And Russia, uh, fake Putin gets up there, flips the double bird, and saying, I'm coming in, I'm coming hot. You can shoot me down or not, motherfuckers, but I ain't going out like some bazooka. Uh, And that is pretty much it. And Frank decides that he's going to go out there and visit him on his little compound to try to work this out. Because essentially, if the Russians don't leave, the Israelis won't pull back their forces, and the Palestinians won't keep... uh, mortaring them they won't have they won't have a ceasefire yeah. and that's essentially where we've been at for like 50 years yeah and frank's trying to push this forward with the help of claire uh and and it turns out that claire is has not been a help to him he is she has maybe been an albatross around his neck mm-hmm. in certain ways not because she's bad at what she does but because she's not as familiar with the politics and she could be manipulated and we also, you know, moved away from Amworks, which hasn't been a stunning success so far. Uh-huh. Um, and we're seeing in the town hall meetings that he's going to running and campaigning that this, in addition to that, this Jordan Valley thing is starting to really become a, a, a quagmire for him because people yeah. are wondering why we're sending people over there to die when it doesn't seem to be make us safer and the world safer. Yeah. So, again, felt very uh, ripped from the headlines. Now, here's the Mm -hmm. thing that I have questions about. Um, It seems like that there is a a case to be built here that Claire, by playing kind of like these, um, you know, bare-knuckle brawl conflicts with the diplomats, has burnt some bridges. Oh, yeah. 
multiple diplomats here have said, I don't have the power I used to have because you've cut me off at the knees. Uh-huh. The Israeli ambassador that she got right in her face at a party and said, you're going to take this deal. You're going to support us. I'm demanding your support. Yeah. Said that I'm not part of the conversations that shape foreign policy anymore. So thank you. Mm-hmm. The Russian said he's being recalled. Uh-huh. I have questions about that. That's the thing. Like, I have serious fucking questions about that. And I don't know... Like, this is the interesting thing about this. Like, once once you start talking about sovereign nations, you know, Frank doesn't have a monopoly on on force and power here. Yeah. And, like, I kind of think that the, the, the Jewish ambassador is sincere and, like, she has, you know, taken a stand and, and doing her part of the, being an ally for the uh, Underwood administration has cost her politically. Mm-hmm. But this Russian thing seems fishy. It it really does. And so the the reasons I'm kind of doubting what he's saying still are twofold. Um, first of all, they 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 play the card of Petrov plays the card of I've been manipulating Claire this whole time, and I've been doing it through this Russian ambassador. Sure, he puts that on the table. Now he doesn't have to put that on the table. Um, he wants to do it, I guess, to to deal a blow to Frank personally. Yeah, um, and this is, this is personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would probably be much better off pulling some pulling Claire's strings behind the scenes again and again to get his way and manipulate Frank through her. Uh, but I I can't imagine that this guy does his job. Uh-huh. To an exceeding degree, uh-huh. gets exactly what Petrov wanted, and then Petrov takes him off the the UN. Yeah, but here's the thing: if we find out a, an episode or two from now that he got recalled to be appointed to the Politburo or whatever the Russian, sure, that like, could, then he that's could be getting be, a promotion. I that's guess. Yeah. that's the smoke, and he's playing it all glum. But I'm like, there's wheels within wheels here. He could have been sincere and mm-hmm. shared those, and Petrov is mad and recalled him, and now is is pushing all his chips in to kind of, like, rope Frank into this lose-lose scenario, which he effectively did. Wait, but Petrov says, we played you, right? Like, he says the ambassador tricked you. Yes, but he could be lying. He could be putting a good face on that, hoping that Frank is going... Because, but but the he thing designed is, the whole thing to trick her. But he don't, he killed that, his own guys. I'm I'm buying the implication there that he killed his sure. own guys yeah. in in the the strip there to potential to to purposely provoke a reaction but as he said maybe i did maybe i did it's almost he did he did it's almost be, <laughs> that it's maybe almost i did maybe from I the didn't. point unless frank can prove it and i don't see how he can at this point what i think is happening and i'm not saying that what but you say not, is not true it's not beside the point when you're saying that this guy didn't do the job he was sent out to do okay what i what i, I guess what i mean by that is at this point you know him going to the White House, it seems like that he came a, a, away with a clear understanding of both Frank and Claire and found them both yeah. wanting. So now he's putting them in a position where, you know, Frank really can't win because he either has to give him everything he wants, yeah, which is going to be seen as a loss, I'm sure, when we see the next episode that... Claire's stepping down, and we're pulling the missiles back, and we're canceling the. But what about her hair color change? That's going to smooth it over, right? Right. (laughs) Uh, That that is going to see as as he's going to look weak domestically, which is bad for him. But if he had just said like, you know what, fuck you, and that thing had turned into this international event, he loses too. Like there was no, 
I, I don't know what the correct play for Frank was there, but as soon as he got on the plane and went over there, he was pretty much doomed. Yeah, what what's the line? I mean, where's the line where Petrov asks for too much and it, it crosses it over been. into public opinion swaying to Frank's side? Well, and the other thing is I think that the... It feels like that Petrov was playing into his prejudice. Like, I do believe that Frank never thought Claire could do this job effectively. Yeah, I'm with you. And so him putting that out there and saying he was he was telling Frank what he thought he knew already. Your wife is weak. She was easily played. She's over her head. That's something that Frank w- is primed to believe anyway. I think so. Yeah. That makes me think that maybe the fix is in a little bit, too. And it felt a little weird when he came back and was... You know, I wanted to talk with you before, uh, and I think Claire smokes it out too, right? Like she's she says, I would much rather have you have had you come in here and tell me I was fired than then, to soft pedal it like and, this and, and try to make it seem like, like it's a good idea for me to fall on my sword. Exactly. Like this so, is good for this is good for both of us. Yeah, and, and I'll blame her for that. That's a little shitty. And you know, speaking of the focus group and the hair, I thought that was. Such a slap in the face that she's been positioning herself this whole time to be this woman in a position of power that can do real things in the world. Yep. And now she's having her hair color focus groups. Because she's popular with women. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. And you wanted to go back to your original hair color and be slightly less fake and renew your, va- well, you know, the women of America like the blonde, so. <laughs> now, make no mistake. Can you Barbie up a bit for us? I like her better with blonde hair. We both do, yeah. I do not, however, think that the color of her hair affects her ability to do her job in no. any way. And nor is she, does she owe it to any person no. to change her appearance because <laughs> she is somehow more desirable or likable. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but that was... That 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 final shot of Frank as he's looking at the camera, like, my God, what have I done? You mm-hmm. know, uh, on top of the whole thing. I mean, I guess we should now talk about Frank and Thomas. Frank and Thomas okay. <laughs> sounds like a zombie thing. I mean, b- before parts. we before we leave Claire and Frank here, I just want to say that yet again, Claire is making another sacrifice in her career for Frank's. Sure, and I that's. <sighs> That's hard to but Frank come made, to terms with. He as, also made sacrifices to his career. I mean, appointing her, uh, ramming her through as the ambassador was a political cost for him, too. It was. Yeah. So it's like it's not maybe, as one-sided as I thought. It's just yeah. more – in fact, if, if it wasn't the nagging doubt in my mind that he's getting played, I don't think that – like if this narrative is on the face of it, then I don't think Claire deserves the job because we talked about how yeah. – if you're the ambassador to the UN, your whole job is to, you know, make peace and make compromises. Your job is not to take giant politically political stands and embarrass heads of state, state and and threaten and bully ambassadors. Like, you know, I I, I will say that I don't think Frank so far is a, a great president either. It feels like that they've both <laughs> been. It's the Peter principle. Sure. They've both been pro- promoted uh, ab- one level above their competence. And now they don't know what to do. Yeah, like I'm struggling to think of who in the cast that we've been shown would be more competent than Frank at at being the president. Who could stand up to a Petrov guy? Certainly it's not Donald Blythe. Oh, God, Donald Blythe is a pushover. No, Uh, but I think that's one. Is this part of what we're supposed to be meditating on, that the presidency is essentially a lose-lose proposition? Oh, yeah. Like as soon as you Uh, get there. I mean, that comment about it being the illusion of choice and – yeah, I think most of this series is about 
the double-edged sword that is power. And I think it's something there, you know, a little, I'm referencing Dan Carlin a lot in this podcast, but I think there is something to his little pet theory that there's a reason presidents make a whole bunch of promises about stuff that they can do in their power. And then they go into the office and then they're like, oh, no, we can't do that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. If it, I'm not saying it's like there's aliens in New Mexico and bullshit <laughs> like that. It's more like the lizard people won't let them. It's more like the CIA comes on and says, here's everything we've done in the last 50 years. And here's why your hands are tied in all these situations. Mm-hmm. And you could destabilize the whole, you know, if you shut down Guantanamo or pull out these troops, you are going, even though it's entirely in your power to do, you're going to fuck people on the ground and people are going to die. And this is what's going to happen. And the presidents are yeah. like, ah, and then they run away from it. Sure. Um, we didn't see that. I, I mean, obviously, that's not the case in this presidency, it doesn't seem like. No, but they they make you know they make that point over and over again about the burden of the presidency and those tough choices that you have to make. Yeah, I mean Claire makes that point directly to the the Israeli ambassador. Uh, sure, I, I think that, that is a drum that they are beating over and over again. Uh, can we move on to Franken Franken Thomas now? Franken Thomas, yeah, Franken Thomas. So Frank almost having a homosexual relationship with the guy writing this book was yeah. one of those, oh, God, I, I stood so close to the Grand Canyon, I thought I was going to fall off moments for me. <laughs> because okay. Thomas is basically saying, I am turning a trick here. I am mm-hmm. addicted to, not you, I'm addicted to getting the best story I can out of you and then telling it the best way I can. Uh, this is so dangerous. This is so dangerous because, you know... I mean, there's the world you want to live in and the world you live in and the world we're living in. You're not going to have a homosexual president. No, of course. Yeah. Uh, Regardless of what you want to say about the politics of that, uh, it's not viable in in this country's current climate. The scandal. Mm -hmm. Like, look what happened, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago with Clinton getting a blowjob in the uh, Oval Office. A straight blowjob. Imagine if he had gotten a gay blowjob. Um, It would be a giant shitstorm. It would be, yeah. So... Him putting himself in this vulnerable position for a man that he doesn't really trust and he shouldn't trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, Frank sometimes does these things. Uh, and I guess I've always thought that Frank was just kind of like hetero flexible bisexual. Yeah, me too. Like he's attracted to people that are powerful and that people that have powerful personalities or that are intelligent. And it's more mm-hmm. than, you know, the shit, it's, it's more than a configuration of your genitals. It's, it's the, you know, how simpatico you are and, and how much you turn him on in those ways. But I'm starting to think that, no, he's just a really deeply closeted gay man. Yeah, the more I look at it, the more Claire is kind of kind of a beard for him. Um, she She is there. It's almost like the sex they have is a release of stress and tension and, like, just the built-up weight or of Or there's a dude in the lifestyle. middle of it. Or there's a dude or there's, in the middle there's of there's a Meacham in the middle, yeah. We have seen two sex scenes. One was like a catharsis thing that yeah. she kind of got, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, marital raped. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> Almost, I don't think it was without yeah. consent, but it was clearly she was uh-huh. in a position of power. And this was – and then you've also seen him the, with the infamous Meacham. Yeah. So, you know, I don't understand all the sexual dynamics there because – I, you know, uh, try as I might, I, I just can't. Well, there's a hint at the end of that scene with Thomas where he says 30 years is a long time, uh, so far, far so good, you, yeah. or something like that, uh-huh. uh, where he's basically saying, uh, Frank, I know you're gay, 
and you've you've been pretending that you're not for 30 years. Yeah. That's a long time. And he's not congratulating him on it, no. but he's just noting that's a long ass time. Now, draw that parallel with Stamper, mm. who is addicted to another substance, which is alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh they cut right from that scene to Stamper's face. I mm. can't help but draw the parallels there. Mm. Where, where they well, are both kind of fighting their tendencies. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, that... Yeah, that... Oh, man, it makes me want to go back and watch that Sentinel episode where they all got drunk yeah. in the library yet again. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> that seems more and more like that's a pivotal thing. And that when you look at this, like everything that Francis has sacrificed as far as like who he is on a deep core level person. Um, and I wonder like what, what, how much of this does Claire actually know? Like, how does Claire understand her husband's sexuality? Yeah. I can't imagine that she knows Tim, right? She met and was friendly with Tim, but does she know that the they Sentinel? were lovers? And, or if she well, does, that's where I'm going. Like, like she clearly knows that, that, that Frank is bisexual. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. a three chum implies some bisexuality. Uh, but so Thomas picks up on this just with one conversation with Tim, mm-hmm. uh, a conversation that it sounds like he was being very protective and standoffish before he talked with Frank. He picks up on this and has a suspicion that he then confirms, I think, later on with Frank in in the White House. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine that Claire has not picked up on that through the years. Hmm. That would shock me. And the nature of the kind of asexual nature of their relationship and the fact that she's mostly OK with that. Um, it tells me that she has got to know. But then, you know, the human sexuality is such a spectrum. Yeah. And I just wonder if we're making too much of this because, uh, you know, he was fucking the shit out of uh, Zoe. Zoe. Yeah. And... Uh, but that was a means to an end also. It was a means Don't to an end that. and it was also a giant power thing yeah. and all that. So it's like maybe he was getting off in that, but... I don't know. I mean, he could just be straight up bisexual. Nothing has really changed except for he feels an attraction to this man that's dangerous now. Could be. Uh, because yeah. of the position he's in and the access that this guy's got. But then you don't... Then Because also... So but, what, but if we're to believe Thomas's comments at the very end about the 30 years, a long time, that doesn't say bisexual. Is Thomas gay? Thomas seems like he's a dude. He's like, you know, he's a gay hmm. for pay kind of guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who, I mean, he seems like he's genuinely attracted to Kate. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say he's gay, but he, I don't, man, I, like I said, sure. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what to make of his advance on the president, whether that was just like, hey, this is, this is what I do. This is what I do to get a story. I need you to be this vulnerable and this intimate to to break down this barrier so I can get that story out of you. Sure. He could also just be a really manipulative and great writer. Right. <laughs> like right. Who knows? Um and, and who knows if we're even actually getting the truth from him yeah. in this trick turning story. Right. He's lied so many times about that particular issue mm-hmm. that we don't even know. Yeah. But and- but I but they think, you know, he is very perceptive and he calls frank out at the end Uh that's why i tend to believe that frank is gay and not bisexual Hmm. no i that's definitely the thing that i'm taking away from this episode too but i just don't know that i know enough about the ins and outs of this just not very confident in that yeah (laughs) i mean honestly that's the thing like i get i get being gay Uh and i get being straight bisexuality has always been a hard thing for me to understand 
the, because the, the bounty of opportunities available. It's just like if you. someone said, "Do you like chocolate or vanilla better?" Uh, like I both. feel like that some, but some you gotta have a slight preference one way or another. Depends on your mood because they're completely different. Okay, so you're by <laughs> you're by sure ice, d- depending on my mood. You know, you're by cream sexual or whatever. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I don't get you either. Like it's vanilla or chocolate, motherfucker. You can like them both, but you gotta like one more. <laughs> It's like Elvis or the Beatles, damn it. Make a commitment. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's just that, you know, I'm not, and I'm not judging. I'm keeping an open mind. I Star just, Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Really? Yeah. I God really, I, I like, really like Star Trek, I, but I like Star hmm. Wars better. If I had to give it, I've had to cut one out of my life. Okay. Star Wars was hmm. like, you know, that was like if I, I can't remember not liking Star Wars. I remember falling in love with Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Star Wars is my banky. Uh, Star Trek is my first car, so uh, okay. This is I've, getting muddier and muddier every time we talk about it. Moving on. Uh, have you ever sucked a dick? That's what we really want to know. Mm, not, not that I recall. No. <laughs> well, that one time. In I mean, the I, Sentinel, I have a pretty bad memory, but not that I recall. One time in the Sentinel where the whiskey was flowing and uh, uh, Tim looked good in that. I mean, it was that college you experiment. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, we should talk about Stamper. Yeah. Can I talk about, of... can I talk about the erotic pencil art hanging on Frank's wall <laughs> right before? Like, I was like, wow, that's interesting. Meacham is leading this guy through and he's going mm-hmm. like, if you go to the 44, 50 minute mark on Netflix, yep. there's this kind of charcoal pencil artwork of like Greco Roman mm-hmm. type wrestlers looks like having an orgy or something it seems like it yeah and i'm like that's that's interesting and then that scene happened and i'm like holy shit yeah that that painting that sketch makes a lot more sense in uh, retrospect yeah it wasn't so much subtext as text so but uh, sure i think that's more supporting evidence for the idea that frank is gay and not bisexual yeah yeah i didn't see any women greco-roman wrestling there mm. all female greco wrestling sure why not uh can we talk about stamper Yes, let's talk about Stamper. Okay, because I thought his arc is fairly interesting as well. Um, so apparently like he's he's back off the horse or the wagon or something. He's not drinking. He's back on the wagon. Something like that, whatever the expression is. Sure. Uh, he, he's not drinking because his brother is there helping him along in his life again mm. uh, and has been for a couple episodes now. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere along the line, he's looking at pictures on the fridge and he's hearing his brother talk to his family on the phone and he thinks, man, you know, I'd really like to meet this six-year-old girl and his wife of many years who somehow I've not met yet. Yeah, he has like, not met his nephew or his nieces and his sister-in-law. Yeah, man. He's like a cuckoo bird. Like uh, <laughs> the cuck- his dad came and knocked all the eggs out of the nest and he's the odd duck. He, yeah. That was a stunning realization. Like, I thought it was weird how coldly he dismissed his brother. Uh-huh. And then, like, you know, there was that really warm welcome where he just broke down and hugged him. But he's never met his wife, never met his kids. Yeah. And they live in Ohio. They don't live on Mars. <laughs> no, it's it's really surprising to me um, that that was the case. But, like, it kind of makes sense in the context of who Doug Stamper is. It just makes him more of a weird alien character. And I don't know what yeah. to make of him waking up and his niece is throwing stuff in his face. And, like, what is he feeling there? When sure. he said, I never thought about settling down uh, in the context of Rachel, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, now that maybe the one person who he may have considered it with is dead. Are we still presumably. sure she's dead? I, yeah. yeah. 
I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm like ninety five percent because the show's telling me that. Plus, I think that if he she wasn't dead, Gavin the the way Gavin and Lisa, which we'll probably be talking about next, the way that yeah. went down would be a little bit different. I think so, but yeah, it, that, that was shocking. But I I get why that could be the case. I mean, Doug's brother at some point tells him basically tells him he's a sad, lonely fool who has nothing but a couple of pictures of someone else's kids on his refrigerator. That you've never seen, by the way. That he's never met. Uh, It's, I don't know. I'm kind of a loner, and I kind of identify in small ways with with Doug, not in the ways that I don't think I could settle down with someone, but in the ways that, like, it hasn't happened. Yeah, no. uh, To this point, and I'm, you know, 33 years old. Past the point where most people do that. Sure. Uh, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm dissatisfied with that, though. I think Doug Stamper is dissatisfied with that. He is looking back, he's looking at those pictures on the fridge, and he's looking back at his life, and he's saying, man, I might have wasted a good chunk of my life, because he's significantly older than I am, well, on, plus, on a guy who doesn't appreciate That's me. the thing, when his brother, and I don't know that that's true. Like there's still and holding there's still that, that's a good the question, theory yeah. I had that like maybe Frank is doing this genuinely for his benefit <laughs> because clearly the man can't balance work and life yeah and Frank who knew him best would know that so maybe this is like I'm doing this this is kind of like you know uh, I'm doing this for your own good mm-hmm. even though you don't understand because if I explained it to you it would break the spell sure but it, it the way Doug is processing it his his brother's thing hit hard because he's basically saying look you've you've had who have you had frank and now where is he where is he now? what do yeah. you what do you have now mm-hmm. and doug's got no answer to that man sure frank's an opportunist uh, above all i think yes yes he is yeah so that's pretty devastating to doug and i i almost thought he was gonna go back to drinking right then and there on the spot i did too i thought he was gonna go back to the bottle i thought he's gonna go back to the syringe (laughs) he hands his brothers the syringe (laughs) spray this in my mouth it's not it's not gonna go into your skin (laughs) it's not gonna penetrate you but i need you to be naked sorry (laughs) (laughs) if you're fully closed it's a deal breaker because you know there might be a stray sock on the floor and then the whole Mm. thing won't work indeed uh i kind of want to talk about about gavin oh i was gonna talk about jackie Okay, Jackie and Remy. They're another interesting case of relationship troubles. <laughs> and Jackie is thinking that if now is the time to betray Frank, or mm-hmm. it, that now is the time if you're going to do it, because Frank's asking her yeah, to just really jump run. on grenades for him at this point. I yes. need to cancel a speech uh, or debates. Mm-hmm. That would be politically devastating to me, so I need you to do it. Yeah, like, I need to murder a child. Can you take credit for that? Yeah. <laughs> like, What? Can you pull the trigger? What, Frank? No, I'm not going to ruin my career. It'd be totally for you. inconvenient for me to be caught with the smoking gun, so yeah. I need you to kill the baby. There's another reporter I've got to murder. Um, yeah, so I see why she's contemplating that, and her husband seems to be pushing her along in that regard. Well, no, I think her husband was making a pitch to stay the course. Was He's like, he? Like, you know, when I'm in open heart surgery, oh. And hmm. I encounter a clot or something I didn't think of. I before. give up. I say fuck it. I <laughs> yeah, it's like well, up. code this guy. I drop I'm, the scalpels. <laughs> time for cocktails. No, he's like, I've got to. And she's like, well, it's a matter of yeah, my, yeah, life yeah. and death. And he's like, well, for you, this is. I thought that that was him telling her to yeah. stay. No, you're right. Don't second guess yourself. Mm-hmm. Stay the course. To be fair, I was not paying much attention during that scene. Oh, <laughs> I was looking out their window. They have a really nice view. Oh, 
Um, but no, that's what I got. And then, you know, he's cut, slicing up a pomegranate slash heart. Yeah, that also tripped me out. Who eats pomegranates for breakfast? When Who eats pomegranates? They're a massive pain in the ass. I'd eat a banana. Eat an apple. I'd like, have to be rich enough to on. have a chef that would pre-peel and separate yeah. seeds for me before I'd even try to do a pomegranate. It's, drink a pomegranate-flavored drink. It's like peel and eat shrimp. I love shrimp. If I have to <laughs> peel them, I can't eat more them. than six because, God damn, it's, it's just a hassle. It's the reason I don't eat, like, lobster or crab. You peel like the crab shrimp. Legs. You peel the shrimp or crack the crack legs, I will put you out of business. Yeah. But wrapping it in the most inconvenient, it's like, it's like God's own shrink wrap packaging. Mm-hmm. You know? I Peanuts need, are kind of like that, too. They, they need to get... They're a little inconvenient. They need to get with Jeff Bezos and do the frustration-free packaging on this stuff. <laughs> like, I need to be able to pull a tab and the peanut just flies open. Uh-huh. Sands a little nasty skin that's on the nut. Yeah, get that out of here. Uh, What do you think about? um, So that's and and uh, so Remy and Jackie. Yeah, this is more interesting. Remy went to apologize, and he's 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 lacing up his track (laughs) shoes like I'm going to run from the pussy. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I'm trying my best, and she says, "Oh, this is hard for me too." Just when I think I'm out. That's, they pull me back in. <laughs> that's not what you tell a man who's preparing to run a, to run a sprint away from pussy. Yeah, yeah, it's and you can see it on Remy. He's like, God damn it, God damn it. Now I don't know what to do. That's not over. That's not over. Wouldn't it be ironic if that's what brings down the under Underwood? The fact Remy that and that, Jackie that he she's having this, you know, like. A marriage of convenience, which I'm sure is something was made politically of that we just aren't seeing because it's not her story. Mm-hmm. And then she becomes his running mate, and then she gets embroiled in this extramarital scandal with this new family, and she's adopted all these folks. I mean, that it'd be ironic if <laughs> like Frank's whipping girl is what ends up bringing him down instead of all the bullshit that he's done. Sure. Yeah. Because America's a fucked up place. A sexual scandal will bring you down. Yeah, for some reason. I don't know. I, hmm. yeah, it's tough because when there's infidelity and promises and lies, and yeah, stuff I mean, like that, that's the thing. Like, I get it. There are shades of gray. But... I get it. And this seemed to be an extra. It's one thing if you had like a Frank and Claire, they don't have kids. It's an open marriage. Yeah. Like you know, then it's like okay, well, we have an open marriage. Fuck off. Yeah, she's fucking some French guy. I'm fucking. The... This is a little bit weirder because it is the convenient marriage, and he's got kids involved, and yeah, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> Um. Anyway, what else? Do How we... about Gavin? Gavin. Gavin. What about Lisa. Gavin? What the hell is Gavin doing? He's out. He wa- He wanted to try to fix the situation as much Why? as he could before he just bounced. I don't know. I don't know, man. It feels like a fundamentally selfish call and a fundamentally self-destructive one. He should have faked his own AIDS death. <laughs> 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 or if he just that like, left her devastated. I mean, right? like the thing is, is like, why was I guess? Does he think that he she's in danger? Why did he give her name to Doug Stamper? Doug Stamper's not going to protect this woman. Doug Stamper just yeah, assumed to see know. this woman destroyed. Yeah, I mean, she stole in his Rachel mind. From him. In yeah. his mind. So I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I I was trying to think where the con was because nothing like he would have been entirely better if he just wrote a message saying. I need to get to a different place. I'm going away. I'm never coming back. This is too difficult for me to deal with. I want to go where nobody knows me. And I don't, you know, like he could have said that. This is a traumatic thing for her. So. And I don't think she's any safer. We're we're three episodes from the end of this thing. Yeah. Consider- there's still a lot of train that needs to fly off the tracks. If way- there is. Yeah. Uh, but But consider for a moment that this might be Gavin's exit and that this is a scene for Gavin, not for Lisa in any way. Um, this might just be the thing that makes him look like 
a decent human being. He's been lying to her all along. He needs to go in and try to set the record straight as much as possible. Leaves her with a couple of guinea pigs or whatever. Yeah. And then he bounces. If they're trying for that, I think they failed because to me, this is a classic example of, oh, God, I feel sick about something I did. Let me throw up on you. Oh, I feel so much better. You're covered in vomit, but man, I needed to get that. Like, that's a very selfish thing to do. And dangerous for both of them, I is think. It, is, the, is telling someone the truth selfish? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. I, I don't if, know if that it not, always is, though. Like I, it's, I, go, I don't know if I've said this on a podcast, but like, there's no need to go and do relationship demolition if you're not going to build anything on that. If you're like, okay. I need to tell you the truth, you it's devastating, yeah. it's devastating, and then I'm out. Mm. I'm gone, you'll never see me again. You're a fucking asshole. You're unburdening yourself for, for no benefit. To this other person, did so you think, can feel better about yourself. Did he think that maybe she would find out anyway because the FBI would come calling, and it's better for her to hear it from him than to be well, devastated by it later on? Maybe you're right about that. Maybe you're I'm, right. I, I realize I'm putting up a big defense of of Gavin here, but uh, he knows the FBI enough that I think the more she was genuinely ignorant, the safer she would be. Yeah, he didn't tell her his real name. He didn't tell her any of the real story here. He simply said, I'm not who I pretended to be. Yeah. I don't have AIDS. I faked all that. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. So I, I am putting up a defense, and it's fairly flimsy, and I don't totally buy it either. I think it was kind of a dick move, but I wanted that, that perspective to be out there, I guess. I just don't get him trying to give her Stamper's phone number, man. Like, what <laughs> What in the world? Why does he think that's a good thing to do? Uh, I don't know. Are we going to see Lisa at the FBI <laughs> it seems hating like, life next year? It seems like a like she almost he almost left her with a smoking gun uh-huh. for the connection to Samper. Smoke, smoking right? guinea pig. He, yeah. That the that, uh, rubber-faced government-issued dickhead comes by and he sees a guinea pig, it's, he's going to know. Oh, yeah. He's going to know. You're harboring a known guinea pig fugitive. <laughs> um, trying to think anything that we've missed here. Uh, we didn't really talk about the the fake Putin Frank showdown much, where you know we find out that yeah. this 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 Petrov guy has been severely wounded and you know has has been through a lot of shit that Frank hasn't. But on the other hand, Frank's Frank's hands are kind of as blood soaked as his, just not in a badass of way. No, and and Petrov recognizes that too. He looks mm-hmm. at him and he says, "I wonder if you're the kind of man who could kill someone with their bare hands." And then he says, "I think yes." All right, I think you are, and and we know that Frank has. Yeah. Frank has killed uh, Pete, Peter Russo, and he's killed Zoe. Mm-hmm. All and he's ordered his the own death hands. essentially of Rachel. Yeah. I feel like we might be missing one too. I mean, with no, Zoe, he he watched that go down. It's not like no, no, no. With, you're talking about Pete. No, no. With Pete, he left the car running. He got out. Well, Zoe, he shoved her in front of a train. Yes. Okay. He, How was that? He, just watching it go down? No, not just watch. He oh. watched it go down. He okay. pushed her and then watched her. Okay, die. gotcha, gotcha. With Pete, it's a little bit less of a connection. Sure. Because sure. he turns on the car. Puts the pipe in the window. He and was he's alive out. when I left him. Yeah, and that's what yeah. I think he even said that when I last saw Pete Russo, he was alive. That uh, is technically true. But Zoe, he killed with his own hands, literally. Sure. sure. So yeah, I, I don't know what else I want to say there, <laughs> or uh, or on this episode. Let's get into feedback then. Okay. If you yeah. like to send us feedback, you can do so at House of Cards at baldmove.com or on forums.baldmove.com. 
Uh, getting into chapter 33, this is some feedback from chapter 33 from Jeremy J. So Claire's dark hair is representative of her taking power, and Frank's power is in decline with the ice cream suit. Okay, I can buy that, Black especially and- having seen what we saw this time. She's losing power, and she's going back That's to That's where I was going to go, because I like this. It actually yeah. f- fed into it. The theme is echoed in the closing spoon scene. Since uh, chapter one, I have seen these two as Bill and Hillary types, but the writers have extrapolated their relationship into t- into pure power symbiosis. Symbiosis. Frank is the little spoon. So as emotion takes the backseat. Yeah, the jetpack, as I like to call the it. The jetpack? Yeah, that's what these like when a littler person cuddles you from behind instead of saying the little spoon, big spoon. It's jet, the jetpack. So. So the person, the little spoon in that case would be the person wearing the jetpack. No, that would be the jetpack that the bigger person is wearing. But but the little spoon gets cradled by the bigger spoon. But sometimes, in this case, Claire was doing the cuddling, and she's the smaller person. So she is the jetpack. Yeah, so what does that make Frank? He is the astronaut. <laughs> the jetpack and the astronaut analogy doesn't work quite as well. You know okay. what? <laughs> Fuck you, man, with your big and little spoons. I'm trying to make it into some big adventure, some NASA story. God damn it, I got jetpacked last night. <laughs> Anyway, feel so powerless. Returning to Jeremy's jetpack, uh, the J for Jer- and Jeremy stands for jetpack. I'm convinced. <laughs> Obviously, uh, there's not so much love in this relationship as there is respect. Remember how initially they're always okay with each other fooling around as long as it furthered their purposes. I predict before the series concludes, we'll see Claire fully taking over. After dressing down Frank one last time, she will glare directly into the camera. What you didn't think Francis was my bitch all along, and drop the mic. Claire out. President Claire Underwood. That's one thing we didn't talk about, Thomas wanting to get at Claire because she's the missing piece. Yeah. Claire's fucked Thomas or um, Frank before, and not just uh, cowgirl style on the floor of the Oval Office. Yeah. She's actually done things to screw him over when he's fucked her. Mm-hmm. Man, she could tell some tales. I bet she could. And yeah. she could do it in a way that, like, she could be like, I didn't, I didn't know he would take it that way. Hmm. Like, plausible not deniability. Potentially, yeah. I don't know what part she feels like she still has to play. And we'll, it, I'm very interested in seeing what she does here on out. Yep. Um, let's see here. Uh, Dan H. says, Has the composer for this st- score of House of Cards been smoking a bit of Uncle Henry's good stuff while watching The Leftovers? The sweeping score they've introduced for the more dramatic moments is almost identical to the one used for the heavy emotional moments in The Leftovers. See Frank typing on a typewriter in chapter 35 versus the baby Houdini disappearing from the womb in The Leftovers. Uh, that's not really a spoiler because that seems so crazy, right? That's no context. No, anyway, it's, it's probably a spoiler, but yeah. Um, I don't think you're right because I wasn't sobbing uncontrollably watching Frank on the typewriter. <laughs> There's something, the piano forte, uh, uh, that, that's what was missing. Like The yeah, Leftovers is a very sweet... Uh, piano, uh, carrying yeah, it's, it's bittersweet. It's yeah. kind of the same type of music, but it's yeah. This yeah. is more presidential. House of Cards brings the strings. <laughs> brings the strings. They really do. Uh, Mr. Rock uh, s- breaks down some character points here. Doug Stamper. He says, "I love the character and the actor." But this is an odd departure in his storyline. We're on chapter 36 now. I'm not sure where they're headed with it, and I don't necessarily trust this team's direction with things. Not this season, because uh, overall I don't think he's as impressed at this season as others. I think they're, they're throwing doubt on the Frank-Doug connection here. Sure. 
I mean, further doubt. There's lots of room to doubt there. Yeah. But I did find it interesting to see that he had never met his sister-in-law or his nieces. <laughs> I'm with you. This yep. is a very interesting peek in his character. What I have to call bullshit on, however, is when the brother returned from shopping. He had no French bread. No one returns from the grocery store grocery store without a loaf of French bread jutting out of the bag. That's just lazy not on, directing. Not on TV. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Preferably some oranges on top that they can drop. Apparently, you know, French bread does not exist in Poland. And the, Pol- the Polish <laughs> film director, um, poor Mrs. Holland, uh, the, the, Poland, uh-huh. the Polish person from Holland. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> with the last name of Holland, uh-huh. whose name is Agnieszka. She doesn't, she's not familiar with the concept of French bread. Mm. So I can overlook that. They, they teach flavor. that in film school, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but not in Polish fr- fr- film no, school. No, no, no. Of course not. Um, you, what she did have sticking out is pierogies. Okay, yeah. So that's the Polish equivalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pitbull Kate. So have the writers done to further... What have the writers done to further the role of this journalistic black widow? Not a... She's the one who calls out the president about election stunt engineering. Considering this is a commonplace accusation levied by both parties ad nauseum in every election cycle, it's hardly hard-hitting. In yep. fact, it was something every journalist worth his or her salt would consider as a possibility and a line that could have been delivered by any random reporter. But they give it to Kate. Fine. But what on earth are they doing with this character? I can only imagine that uh, we that they went another way after introducing her and are making uh, up shit for her to do. Seems like it. Yeah, man. Like, she only exists as a person to occupy the bed of Thomas at this point. And for really not a significant reason there either. You know, I read an I, I read an article that said that uh, they got rid of Hector. Was that his name? Benito Martinez. Who's yeah? Uh, it's it's. I don't think it's Hector. No, it is Hector Mendoza. Yeah, they got rid of Mendoza, right. and mm-hmm. they had that one line where he's gone now because of a scandal because he actually got a better offer as a series lead someplace. Oh. so man, that sucks. Our con- do contracts mean nothing to these people? It's almost like he's a politician. Yeah, you told me the name of the show, and I was like, really? That's a better offer? Right. Well, I mean, he was getting very... If he's a star in that show, maybe. Sure. Yeah. And he wasn't really being utilized as anything mm-hmm. in this show. So. Sure. Plus, he did such a good job in The Shield and had so much time in there. Yeah. I mean, he would want to be more high profile, I'd I imagine. saw the first season, so I don't have a lot to compare on that. Yeah, he's not in the first season. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> Petrov. I liked Petrov before, and I love him now. He's emerged as a great antagonist. He's basically become a Bond villain, which should be ridiculous in reality-based drama, but he's pulling it off. Well, you're essentially describing Putin. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Putin has yeah. more uh, identifiable goals and ambitions if you kind of remove all the Western journalistic bullshit and jingoistic <laughs> stuff, but he's sure. essentially a Bond villain. He yeah. does judo and martial arts and fires machine guns both-handed while he's... Naked from the waist up on a horse Mm -hmm. in the middle of the ocean. It's like... In in one of his many golden palaces, like yes, <laughs> how is he not? How he how he controls a vast array of nuclear of weapons. As like, a matter of fact, he's what a Bond villain wants to be. Yes, he has actual real power and wealth. Yes, when he calls the, the UN, does not laugh. Yeah, like you know, they shit their pants. <laughs> he doesn't have to say, "I want a billion dollars." No, he just gets it. He, he gets says, it offered. I to I don't him. want your billions of dollars. Yeah. I want your wife on a silver platter. Son of a bitch. Yep. He's the uh, ultimate Bond villain. Villain. His next thing, they they said, she said, this I think they're doing very well. Did the Russians play Claire? Did Petrov play Frank? What of Thomas's Yates book? Did he play Frank before? Is he playing him now? Sure. I liked that it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Just like Frank Underwood. <laughs> and speaking of, how about Thomas and his latest overture? What a shocking scene. I wonder where this is going. Maybe Frank will put Thomas and Meacham in a ring for sport. 
Or maybe this is another spit on Jesus moment, a throwaway for shock value. So the, the emailer, I can't remember what his or her name was. The Rock. It was the a Rock and Rock. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm glad that he brings up that scene again because we talked about the scene. We did not talk about how good that scene is. Oh. Both from the guy who plays Mickey Doyle and Kevin Spacey, who we know is a consummate pro. Uh, those two guys coming together in that scene were fantastic. Yeah, man, I love Mickey Doyle as a character, but I kind of feel like he was wasted on Mickey Doyle. I, man, I don't even know this fucking guy's name. I don't either. But uh, he's really good. He is really, really a good uh, actor. Really a good actor. And we didn't. We just got very um, one-dimensional. Paul Sparks is the guy's name. Paul Sparks. Got a very one-dimensional look at him in that show. But uh, yeah, he's got a lot yeah. of depth in this thing. For sure. And I just wanted to point out how awesome this scene was. But, but yeah, I'm with you. It's a lot of stuff still up in the air here. Uh, Claire and Frank's... Power dynamic, this is an interesting ending, intriguing ending. It's reminiscent of the Frank-Claire dynamic of old, where despite their differences and divergent paths, they reunite back in a solid front. I like that with three episodes left, they're ramping it up by getting this power couple back on the same page, at least in the series will go out with that juggernaut duo that we couldn't take our eyes off in the first series. I don't know if I agree with that take. Being on the same page? Yeah. I mean, although... That was the first thing that popped into my head is... If she's legitimately mm-hmm. hurt, it could just be she's legitimately hurt, and this is why she's acting so stiff around Frank. Yeah, but if she's legitimately hurt, I wouldn't think they're on the same page again. <laughs> True. Well, I mean, you can be hurt and understand at the same time. Yeah. Uh, this ending helps shed light on something that's bothered, uh, been bothering me in the back of my mind. Seasons one and two, Frank kicked ass and took names. This is the Frank Underwood that was worth the price of admission and who I paid to see again. But it was like turning into a Tyson fight to see him roll over a fool or roll over by a fool and being stuck watching him stick and move for 15 rounds. Thus far, Frank is struggling to stay afloat and keeping busy simply trying to stop the bleeding. He's having his ass handed to him by everyone and their mothers. He's being outmaneuvered by by Dunbar. He's getting outplayed by Petroff. He's getting rolled over by Claire. And he's losing debates with Thomas. He's losing to everyone. Except for Kate, that is. Hmm. Yeah, um, they've definitely played this longer than they have in any other season with frank not having his master plans work out yeah like i feel like we've had two episodes of struggle one episode of triumph that then turns to more two to three episodes like most has been the other way it's like several episodes of triumph one episodes of turmoil and you know this could be because it's the end of the show wrapping up or i don't know yeah but it's been different Frank's been vulnerable been. In, in, in a different way than he ever has been before. Yeah, and, and I feel like that is kind of warranted with his position now. It's more about keeping the power he has and utilizing that power versus gaining more power. Mm-hmm. So seeing him rise is not the goal here anymore. Uh, so I threw down the gauntlet last uh, episode, and I said, is anyone, is there any Republican or Democrat that feels attracted to Frank's you are entitled to nothing speech? Ben R. wrote in and said, as a moderate liberal, I'm completely on board with Frank Underwood's you are entitled to nothing tagline. Sure, it's a house, a house, a harsh sounding one liner, but he's trying to put 10 million people to work with America Works. It would be one thing if he was trying to privatize Social Security without a broader economic agenda, but he does have a plan for jobs, which makes all the difference. Hmm. The second effect you are entitled to nothing has is completely catching Republicans off guard by essentially hijacking one of their platforms. 
With general elections rolling around, the GOP candidate will be forced to agree with Frank on issues around entitlements, putting them in a much weaker position. That's a good point. Yeah, that's not a bad strategy. Uh, Lastly, I don't feel it will cost Frank anything elections-wise. The whole issue of losing votes within your own party seems to be a fabricated one, as I've never met a Republican (laughs) who would stay home or cross party lines to not vote for a liberal Republican president. And I've never met a Democrat who would do the same for the conservative – or, yeah, do the same for the conservative Democrat. As Americans, we play for different teams, but the bulk of our values as citizens all reside in the center. I don't know. I don't know. I know that, like, people love to say, well, if this is who gets ran, I'm going to stay home at elections. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually true or not. He might be right. Uh, Yeah, I have a feeling he is. (laughs) Uh, Liz G has some questions and statements for us. Did Claire want Frank to send in the SEAL team immediately, or did she want to get additional intelligence? She asked because the military guy initially, initially said it would take 72 hours to be ready to go in, and after Frank's insistence it had to be sooner, he agreed to be ready sooner. I asked because I'm surprised Claire didn't call Frank out on his culpability in the situation. Yes, Claire read the situation incorrectly, but Frank acted too quickly. Maybe a different result would have occurred if the military had been given time to assess the situation. Sure. My thing I is... I can buy that. I feel like that... Claire's culpability was he said, do you believe this man? And Mm -hmm. she said, yes. And then he, without question, believed her and then decided to accelerate all the plans based on that. Yeah, but his trusting of her instincts. I think it's a fair argument to say had they had, you know, 60 more hours to gather intel on the situation in the area, they could have gone in and on a path that maybe... They wouldn't have been caught. That's three more days for the Russians to cover stuff up, though, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like there was a... I understand there's a pressing time issue, sure. but but at the same time, there's a balance there that you need to strike, and Frank was probably too far on the, the speedy timeline. Uh, she says, why did Gavin tell Lisa some of the truth? Wouldn't it have made more sense for him to just disappear and her never hear from him again? <laughs> One would think. I feel like we debated that quite enough. Oh, yeah. I don't think anything sexual happened between Frank and Thomas. It's too big of a risk for Frank. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I agree with that. He seems well, to be in an impetuous mood this this year. No, I I don't think anything sexual happened between Frank and Thomas this episode. No, but do you think something... No, she's not saying that. She's saying, I don't think something will happen this season. Oh, okay. I agree. I mean, there's... like Like we said, the tolerance for a gay president would not be there in this country. Uh, and if that were to come out, especially with a guy who is there specifically for the purpose of writing a tell-all book about Frank, but this is so this is a big risk. But so was fucking Meacham, man. Yes, Frank is. But, but Meacham's job takes... isn't to write a book about him, <laughs> to figure out what he can write about and then write about it. I, it's certainly risky with Meacham, but it's not as risky as with Thomas. Yeah, and he actually, you know, like, there's several probably oaths of loyalty that you have to take, and yeah, he felt personal response where this, he's like, yeah, come on in, tell the story, I'll give you a free hand. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's one reason, she continues, uh, that Claire doesn't like Thomas being around. She may sense that Frank is interested in Thomas. Do you think there's some jealousy there, or do you think it's more concerned that Frank, this is the kind of guy that Frank might do something stupid with and for? Hmm. Because she does, I mean... I hadn't even considered that. Despite it increasingly sham-looking nature of their marriage, I do believe that they do genuinely love and respect and know each other on a yeah. very intimate level. Sure, I buy that. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, if she is concerned about what Frank is doing with Thomas. She's concerned in the same way she was concerned with his dicking around with Zoe. Not that I care one way or another who's what what person you stick your penis into more than... But um, she hasn't said anything to Frank about it, which she did but she has prior been, to this. She has been very uh, anti-Thomas. Like, why is he sure. here? Why, why is he, he have at, this access? At the White House this late in yes. private quarters. Yeah. 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 Maybe you're right. And she just hasn't brought it up yet. All right. That's the episode. We'll be back uh, Monday with another one. Uh, we're okay. in the last three, three, uh, three episode stretch. If you'd like to give us some feedback on these going forward, we're going to record the last one on Friday. Mm-hmm. The actual Friday it comes out. So it's a great opportunity to get all your closing season thoughts. If there's going to be another season, um, I'm not sure if they confirm that or not, or if that's released. I've been conspicuously trying to avoid that information, but mm-hmm. that's the time to talk about it. Uh, get it all in house of cards at baldmove.com on forums.baldmove.com. And uh, you can follow us, uh, our, our release schedule on facebook.com slash baldmove and on Twitter at baldmove. And again, we don't know if we're going to have a wrap up cast. It's all depending on how much feedback and how many thoughts we've got. Yep. So um, we'll, we'll we'll definitely make the call on that after during the episode for the last for the episode three thirteen whatever the last chapter chapter thirty nine probably okay thirty six plus three is thirty nine yeah I, I think <laughs> I think the math 39. checks out uh-huh. so yeah we'll definitely make a call one way or another but it's all going to depend on how much we got to say and how much you guys got to say sure so there right. you go yeah thanks for listening we'll be back uh, like you said on Monday and until then I'm Jim I'm Aaron see ya. 